Welcome to the show of Women's Strength Society. And today we have a special guest, Laura Gould. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. You did. You can say Laura if you want to. Laura Gould, Laura Gould. But yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> cool. Uh, we had a few um, technology technological problems, so we are just hoping that it's going to um, record everything and that we are going to be able to um, to have a very good conversa conversation. I'm very much looking forward to it today. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because you have quite an extensive background in a lot of different things and you make a lot of connections um, and I think it was super important for you personally in your journey but also for your work with your clients. So um, maybe you can give just like a few key information um, of the things that you've done in the past, the kind of, of struggles you had And um, yeah, and, and we're just going to start there. Okay, well, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Like, I feel like <laughs> it's been a bit of a journey. Um, well, we met in Australia, um, I want to say that was about four years ago now. And that's when I was still, I think it was four years, wasn't it? Yeah, it was exactly four years ago. Yeah, um, so that's when I was still working for my ex-boss and that was your ex-mentor. Um, and that was when I was still in kind of like a bodybuilding world. Um, and I was uh, coaching at the time in a very bodybuilding structured routine. Um, about, I would, I started my fitness journey about 10 years ago. So I've been in the industry from then but it's really developed into something much bigger than just like bodybuilding style training for me because I've had a lot of personal issues like you mentioned personal health issues that have uh, gotten me to where I am now to a much more holistic approach so before it was all about calorie counting macro counting and just bodybuilding style workouts whereas now I am more interested in regulating the nervous system expressing emotions through movement Uh, making sure that the person that I'm working with and myself are uh, connected. So I'm uh, more connected with myself and the individual is growing as, an, uh, as a person as well as in performance as well. So in terms of the health issues that got me here, I've had some weird and wonderful things happen to me. So um, I'd say about Uh, six to eight years ago, I started getting gut issues. So I got uh, histamine intolerance. So I started getting loads of reactions to random foods. And uh, from uh, on top of that, I also started getting lots of issues on my left side. So lots of physical issues. So shoulder rolling forwards, like hip really tight, just couldn't move in certain ways. And um, All of these things ended up being linked together. Further down the line, I started getting um, more gut issues, uh, more left side issues, as well as a heart condition last year. And all of these things I knew were connected. And over the years of having these struggles, I've realized that movement and healing myself as an active participant has been really, really useful to getting to the bottom of these things. I've now reached a point in my healing journey where All of my symptoms have disappeared and I've done this through smart training, uh, listening to my body, connecting with myself. And I now implement this with my clients as well, because I found that um, sometimes 
medical interventions and covering things up with a band-aid just isn't the best way to go about things and actually being an active participant in your healing journey is much more powerful and if you can do that through moving your body eating nutritiously um, working on your mindset and your mindfulness and being aware of yourself I found that much more effective and much more uh, rewarding as well in life and in coaching yeah Cool. That's a very good introduction. There's a lot of, of things uh, to unpack here and also a lot of things that I um, wanted to ask you. Um, why is it so important to connect with yourself? Oh, so many reasons. Um, I feel like... I feel like it's trending at the moment to be more mindful, more aware of yourself. And there's lots of different... I don't want to call them fads, but lots of different ways to go about it. Like you go down the meditation route, you can do like ice baths, there's lots of different ways that you can connect deeper to yourself. I think society nowadays, we're built, uh, the society has been built in a way to disconnect us from ourselves. So everything is very externally focused. And it's important for us to have a balance in life, like everything is in an arch. So if we're very intrinsically focused, very internally focused and not enough externally focused, the arch is going to collapse. And it's the same with the other way around as well. So we're constantly on social media. We always have external stimulations. We're always looking for number feedback. So using trackers and Fitbits and aura rings, um, you know, calorie trackers as well. Even when it comes to programming, training programming, we're always focused on the numbers, like how much can you lift? How many reps can you do? And at no point are you actually looking internally and focusing on what uh, what you're actually feeling and what's going on inside. And I feel like personally, if you connect more with yourself and take the pressure away from the external environment that you're constantly thinking about and constantly distracting yourself with you can learn a lot more about yourself and uh be able to balance that arch better basically and i think everyone's at the moment is very much on the external focused and not enough on feeling what you're actually feeling if you actually start focusing more on yourself and listening to your body and being more in tune with it you'll probably find that Your body is talking to you, but you've just been ignoring it for a very long time. And that's what I found personally, that once I actually sat in the quiet and listened to what was going on, um, I realized that my body was actually a lot more messed up than I thought it was. And there's reasons for that because I haven't been listening to how it's been communicating with me. So that's personally why I think it's extremely important to be more connected to yourself. Yeah. How how does this um disconnection shows up then? I mean you, you spoke about some some issues that you had, like uh, gut issues, the heart condition, which is obviously very serious, some uh disbalances problems that you had, like mechanic problems that you had on your on your left side. Um like for, for people that may not have learned to listen to their body. Because yeah. I think we are not really encouraged to do so, and we don't learn the tools to um, to really listen to our bodies. Um, what kind of cues they can look for? <laughs> like, is my body talking to me, and where should I should I listen? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question, um, and it's one that um, it sounds so obvious. And you're like, oh, why didn't I think of doing that? But if you have health issues, for instance, I 
like histamine intolerance and the uh, tachycardia that I had in my heart, they're all kind of autoimmune based. And if you have any sort of chronic autoimmune issues, it's most likely that there's some sort of stressor that's caused that, whether it's from external or internal environment. And the stressor can come from emotional things, uh, from trauma, from just day-to-day life. Um, And if it's not expressed, it's going to be suppressed and trapped in the body. Um, So in terms of listening to yourself better and knowing how to start doing that, I would say if you do have any autoimmune issues or any injuries and imbalances that you can't seem to fix through rehab work or physio or stuff, just start connecting with that and understanding that maybe there's another factor involved in it that isn't expressed in the mainstream. For instance, it's might, it might just not be a physical issue. It might be an emotional issue or a mental issue as well, because mind and body are connected. One thing that I found really effective in my day-to-day life is just... Um, taking away the distractions. So like I said, we're all very externally focused. If you're someone who's using um, different fixes in your environment to, um, so a lot, it's very common to not even notice that you have addictions and masks in place. And it's trying to strip these masks away, basically. So if you rely on things like caffeine to get you through the day, you're not listening to your body, you're not connected with your body or in tune as in tune as you could be you're using an external source to keep you going throughout the day um if you're constantly listening to music or listening to podcasts even if they're self-help podcasts if you're actually not taking the time out to sit in silence and sit with yourself that's another distraction um if you're you always need to have the tv on in the house you can't be in silence again that's a distraction if you constantly need to be in a social environment that's another external source so if you can start stripping away those distractions that you have um and then actually sit and feel what you're supposed to be feeling you might start to learn more about what's going on internally that little voice inside your head telling you that something's wrong you can start listening to it so It can be as crazy as, for instance, I got addicted to chewing gum for a really long time. And it's probably one reason why my gut got fucked up. But um, the mini, I would literally eat about two packs of chewing gum a day. And then I realized that when I took the chewing gum away, I was like, oh, there's lots of stuff going on in my head that I've been distracting myself from. Should probably start listening to it. So that's one tool and one way of looking at it. And it might seem like the silliest things that you're doing, but even starting with just trying to cut down your caffeine intake is one way to start listening to your body more and see how it feels. We just had a glitch. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no, our first glitch. (laughs) Our first glitch, but but you're back. You're back. I hope I'm back on your end as well. Um, Yes. Yeah, this is very interesting, like to strip down and not try to add stuff. Um, because a lot of time when we when we think like, hey, I have, I have a problem, I have an issues with my gut, with my shoulder, with my hips, whatever, with my skin, then we try to put more stuff on. We try to do more, 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 more. But sometimes the solution is actually to, to do a bit less and yeah. remove stuff so that we can see what's what's actually um, happening. Um, why, like, from what I understood, um, on your way, on your journey, 
uh, movement played a big big role in um, finding a solution <laughs> to all of those problems, um, which were rooted mainly in your um, nervous system. So mm-hmm. why why is it that movement was so important? Because most of the time we think about movement like I'm going to train, I'm going to run, I'm going to do yoga, um, but we don't really think of movement as a tool to regulate your immune system and as something that could help heal your guts, for example. Yeah, I know. It's it's. Uh... So I have done, I have been moving my body for the past, like, well, forever. But in terms of weight training and strength training in the gym, I've been doing, ticking all the boxes in terms of doing my uh, strength training, lifting heavy weights in order to help me and eating right and everything. Yet even when I was ticking all the boxes that the mainstream was telling me to do, I was my body was still breaking down. So when it comes to utilizing movement to help regulate your nervous system and help express your emotions and let go of whatever you're suppressing and trapping in your body, it's all about... Um, working with the different states of the nervous system as well as understanding more about your body so um instead of um doing things like i'm trying to think of how i can use an example so i did incorporate some mindfulness techniques as well so i actually started with doing a lot of meditation and manifesting work but then i realized that that was very much Mm -hmm. a passive approach and although it got me to a certain place it didn't help me uh, bottom up so you have two di- two different directions that you can work on yourself it's uh, top down or bottom up so top down is like using the mind using talk therapy and things like that but there's bottom up bottom up which is going from the physical to the mental or the emotional so I went down both routes but incorporating the movement side of things really really helped me so using active meditation and breath work on top of um mm learning what I needed to express at a specific time and gauging my training based on that. So for instance, if I was feeling really frustrated or angry, I am someone who doesn't ever show anger and I've suppressed my anger for, I mean, ever since I was little. And so now being able to safely express that using my training and actually letting out all of that frustration in me allowed me to then regulate my nervous system I was able to go to a fight for a short period of time rather than staying in like an anxious state which is a flight state or a free state which is more of a depressive state I was able to get out of those states within my nervous system go to a fight and be able to release whatever I was holding on to and then uh working with so you've got I should probably explain this a little bit better so you've got four states within the nervous system two of which are in the parasympathetic two of which are in the sympathetic parasympathetic for people who are listening and don't know what that means that's like rest and digest or that's quote unquote what it's known for sympathetic is known as um, fight or flight so within the uh, parasympathetic the karma state the structural states You've got uh, freeze, which is more of a depressive state and a, um, a flow state where you're flowing through life. So everything, you're feeling really in the zone, calm and collected and stuff. And you can uh, be in that state when you're moving and being productive as well. It's a really good state to be in. The depressive freeze state is one that is has a function, but you don't want to be in there for very long. It's more of a survival mechanism. On the opposite side, you've got the sympathetic, which is fight. So that is us expressing 
um, basically a fight like running or fighting, fighting towards the bear that's coming at you. Or you also have the anxious flight state. So there's four different areas that you can sit in within your nervous system. Um, the flight and the freeze, which are both parasympathetic and sympathetic, they're ones that you don't want to stay in too long. And if mm -hmm. you have any sort of mental health issues, you're most likely stuck in one of those states and it's trying to get out of those. And you can use movement to get yourself out of those states and get into more of the flow fight states where you'll be in a much more balanced place and regulated place within your nervous system. Using different training mechanisms to do that has helped me to not only be able to express my emotions properly and be in that fight state to express my anger and my frustration, but also when I needed to be calm and collected and cruise through life using the, um, the flow state to sit there generally, that's where I've tried to um, maintain it, um, maintain myself using movement and expression, if that made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I, at least for me, it makes sense. Um, I'm wondering if if there is um, if there is an explanation from an anatomical standpoint that you could um, give us. If there's one, like um, some emotions are quite old and and primitive, and they are maybe um, they take place in different places of the nervous system. And mm -hmm. not exactly the same same places of 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 the brain, and maybe sometimes it's more um, difficult to connect with those emotions just with word or with um, stuff that we evolved to do. But that is more recent uh, from from an evolutionary um, standpoint. Whereas movement is something that is very 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 old and also in some regards very primitive. Maybe mm -hmm. there's uh, a connection there. I, I don't know if I'm you know going in the in the right direction but if it yeah, is no, then it's maybe spot you can... on. yeah so yeah. exactly that like the the four states that i've explained they each have a function right so for instance in the parasympathetic state flow is like a nice place to sit um whereas the freeze it's like survival mode where you play dead and when you play dead mm -hmm. if we were to talk about it in like the the uh nat in nature you have uh for instance some um, some prey that play dead in order to survive. Like, for instance, if a bird is trying to attack uh, a, mi a mouse, it will just play dead and wait for it to be safe, and then it will come back to life again. So we still have that in us to do, but it it's, uh, comes in a more depressive state for us, especially if we're in it for a long period of time. Um, or, like, you might see it in procrastination. If you can't get yourself to do anything, you just feel really stuck in life. Um Whereas, for instance, the um, on the sympathetic side, the flight side, the fight and flight. So you can either fight the bear or you can run away from it. But if you keep running away from it, you can't run away from it forever. And having that anxious energy that sits in the flight state. So that's how you can compare it to a more like primitive side of things. Um, but obviously in society now, we don't have those dangers around us. We don't have the normal... Um, natural way of humans to live so we have to be able to express these states in a safe and controlled environment and using your training is one way to do that now you mentioned emotions emotions come into this as well we need to make sure that we're expressing our emotions in a safe way so when I do feel anger and frustration 
you know, anger towards the bear or towards, you know, a partner that you've had an argument with is to be able to express that, but not hit your partner instead, slam a ball on the floor. You know what I mean? So we're able to express these different things in the modern world in a safer environment, basically. Yeah, cool. Um, there are two things that interest me there is, um, one is, is the connection with the muscles. And mm -hmm. I've heard you talk about like the different, like different muscles have different meanings and um, how people can, can get even better cues as to what's happening um, depending on the muscle that is acting up. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe we can go into that first. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a that's a massive rabbit hole. And look, I'm still learning. It's one of these things that I don't think you'll ever stop learning. And every individual is going to be different. And um, it's been a journey, me experimenting with myself and my own body and um, my mentor helping me to get to the bottom of certain things. So like I said, I had a lot of issues on my left side and everything was kind of collapsing and I didn't have a lot of neural connection in the muscles. So um Can, um, I was finding that like lots of things were stuck in the chain on my left side. My right side felt fine, but things were just not feeling right there. Um, and uh, to give you an example of how um, insane this stuff is and how insanely connected it is with your emotions, I at the um, I would say around May June time uh, this year I had. I ended up getting a hamstring injury, but it wasn't a proper injury. I wasn't sure if I'd pulled a muscle or if I'd got tendonitis. It was just this odd injury. Like I couldn't like stretch my muscle out properly, but I could still do everything, but it would take me, like I do flexibility training and it would take me a really long time to get into the splits and it was really uncomfortable, but it would never, mm -hmm. the hamstring would never break it or anything. There was nothing wrong with it. It just was really tight and held on and I couldn't feel it properly. I was also walking with a bit of a limp, so my left foot kept collapsing inwards, which was a sign that there was something in the chain not working properly. Anyway, I had this instinct in me, having probably a background of learning some of this stuff, that this wasn't just a physical thing. Um, it was more of an emotional thing. So I reached out to my mentor who helped me to uh, connect with my body and do some active meditation work plus expression of emotions And a lot of interesting things came up in the, at the end of the session, my, I found my hamstring again and everything had realigned. But on top of that, um, it gave me a lot of clarity in my life as well. I was able to express my emotions, find the hamstring and that neural connection came back. But with the knock on effect of a lot of changes in my life, because I realized that I wasn't very happy. Um, there were things that I was suppressing for a really long time, which was connected to, for instance, my heart condition and the gut issues. Mm. Um, when I relieved myself of the stresses that uh, my ecosystem was trying to get rid of, but I wasn't listening to my body, um, all my symptoms disappeared. Uh, and that was just from me expressing my emotions. So um, when it comes to uh, the your hamstrings, your hamstrings, just to give you a golden nugget of information, your hamstrings represent safety. So on the left side, it means safety towards self. On the right side, it means safety towards others. Uh, I obviously had been diagnosed with this heart condition uh, earlier last year, and it created a lot of, well, a, a lack of safety within myself. And I felt very uh, alone and felt like I was going to die like every day, which was 
kind of strange to have because I'd never had that feeling before. And it made sense that my left hamstring would go because I just didn't feel safe in my body. I didn't know what was going on with it. And as soon as I healed that and I felt safe within myself, I could actually start doing things for myself and expressing my emotions properly on top of, obviously, my heart ended up being okay after that. It had a knock-on effect to the rest of the chain and to other organs in my body. And my gut healed up as well. Um, I was able to consume all the foods again, which I hadn't been able to eat for a really long time. But that's just one example of how crazily connected like your muscles and your emotions are and stuff. It's just, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Being able to coach my clients through that has also been amazing, but it's very much an experiment. And with research and learning and experiencing it yourself, it becomes more and more aligned. And um, it's one of these things where you won't believe it until you experience it, basically. Yeah, I can, I can totally imagine. Um, I think what, One um, one thing that is quite important to understand for the people listening is that when we have emotions, like you, you spoke about fighting or flying, those are um, it's a it's dynamic. Like when you are fighting, you are moving, and that kind of emotion is also connected to certain uh, movement patterns and some some muscles that are going to be more active especially the one that protects protects our most important organs. So for example, when you have to fight, then um, your your fists are going to tighten up. Maybe your your neck and your trap are going to tighten up as well to protect your um, your head. Uh, maybe your jaw your jaw is going to be more active. Maybe that that was something happening with the chewing gum <laughs> um, because you want to be ready to to bite maybe. Um, so That's such a good point. I hadn't actually considered that, but yeah, good spot. <laughs> I, I think I think like people don't really have that that kind of um, exposure to this kind of experience because we we don't. There's no place to learn that kind of stuff. Um, and most of the time, when when someone talks about it, then it sounds like a bit woo woo and out there. But it's very um, real. The connection between what's what's going on in the in the mind and what's going on in the body is very um, real. What I'm asking myself now is uh, because if you go uh, on Instagram and follow Laura, then you're going to see that she's super strong and she's making very good progress on on her split. So. Um, What's the place of a quote-unquote training program where you are still, act? I don't know how much, but actively pursuing progress and maybe you have some goals and how do you balance that with the other approach that's much more um, auto-regulated and intuitive? Um, well, I think they come hand in hand. So I think if you have a more regulated nervous system, more regulated emotions, that's going to then help you with your performance. So this is the best thing about it. So if you're someone who's very dysregulated and you're training and forcing yourself to do something, which your body is just not prepared for that day, then you're not actually going to get anything out of your training. If anything, it's just going to be a detriment. So it's best to just focus on regulating your emotions and your nervous system um, on a physical, emotional and a mental perspective 
in order for you to perform better. So that's what I found when I started listening to my body more. And actually, I mean, I come from a background of training like six, seven times a week and including like swimming training, weight training. I did triathlon training at the same time as weight training four times a week. Like I was stupid, like destroying my body. I didn't really get very far. I didn't do as well as when I'm now training only four times a week in the gym and doing some um some flow state cardio on the side and I feel so much stronger so much more aligned in my performance and the same with the flexibility as well so I do strength training I do flexibility training which I introduced like two two and a half years ago now and I found that doing my flexibility training has helped me with my strength training as well flexibility training isn't as simple as passive stretching there's a lot more to it um, me becoming more agile in the flexibility realm has helped me with my strength. And then if you add in the component of nervous system regulation as well, they all just come hand in hand. There's never ever, there's, it's, ne- it's never going to be separate. So if, if someone's thinking, oh, how would I juggle all these things? For me, it's bringing co- connection, freedom and resilience to body and mind in order to make you perform better, but also be a better human as well. So you, you, you practice every day uh, being in touch with yourself, being in tune with yourself so that when you go into the gym and train to have a specific training response, a specific adaptation, then you are in a state where you can actually, where your body can actually make something out of that stimulus. Is that, is that a good summary? Yes, exactly. Look, I do have, uh, sorry, say that again. I was just going to say, like, I do have some sort of a training structure in terms of making sure that I get all my strength and flexibility stuff in. So, you know, I do like generally two lower body days, two upper body days mixed around with like the different flexibility forms that I've that I'm working towards. Um, But on the day. I would listen to my body, for instance, if I wanted, I try and do like an emotional expression workout once a week. So, for instance, if I'm feeling like really frustrated Um, in the morning, I've spoken to my parents and they've just gotten really on my nerves. I'm like, right, okay, I'm going to have to do something that's a bit more aggressive so I can release this anger and let it out with combined within my training. So I just make sure I fit it in. Um, the other side of it as well is like for some of the flexibility movements, it requires me to be in certain positions where having more of a fight response is better. So for instance, mm-hmm. if I'm doing bridge work, so that's a lot of spine extension, spine extension requires you to use muscles which are more connected to that fight sympathetic response. So I'll make sure that I incorporate within my strength work more um, more of those muscles. Um, I I warm them up and get more connected to them within my strength training in order to help me with my flexibility training. So there is some sort of a structure there. Um, but yes, I listen to my body and I make sure that um, I'm not doing any, well, look, sometimes I'm really bad at listening to my body. Like this is the background that I come from is being really bad at listening to my body, which is why I ended up in such a bad state. Whereas now I'm still learning. So for instance, I had a really big intense session a couple of weeks ago And um, after that session, I then decided it was sensible, it was not, to do a lot of spine extension a couple of days afterwards. Now, that spine extension work, working with a bridge, is requires a lot from your nervous system. So I'd had one intense session into another intense session. And to be honest, that destroyed me. And I haven't, 
I'm still recovering from that now. So that just shows you when you don't listen to your body, like it beats you up. So that's, you know, I see it all as a lesson. I'm not annoyed with myself. Like I've learned the lesson. Hopefully next week I can start my training up again and be back to normal. But um, that just shows you that like you can have some sort of a structure, but if you're listening to your body, it can be a super, super powerful tool on a movement. Cool. What's um, what's a flow state cardio? Flow state cardio. Okay. So um, this is an opportunity to go into that flow state and find calm and peace within yourself, like mental clarity, emotional clarity, and like physical clarity too. So uh, what I would normally do is I breathe in and out through the nose. So making sure that I'm in a nice parasympathetic state. Um, if you're breathing in and out through the mouth, it can be more sympathetically, uh, trigger the sympathetic more. So we want to be more parasympathetic. So in and out through the nose. Um, I usually do about 30 minutes, but you can do as little as like 10 minutes. Getting your heart rate up to, I'd say like 120 to 125 beats per minute. And you're just focusing on staying present. So you can listen to like meditation music, uh, but it's all about just finding that flow state and being in the zone. So, you know, those moments where you're so fixated on a specific task that you just lose all concept of time and what's happening around you. You're just so in that focused place. That's basically what the state that you're trying to get into with your flow state cardio. So like I have specific constraints that I give my clients for that. And like, I've just given you a few of those nuggets. So, the, you know, whoever's listening can try it out themselves. But the whole point is to be present and be in a more parasympathetic flow state. And I like to use cyclical movement. So you can go for a walk if you want to. Um, or like for me personally, I like doing it on the rower or the bike. You can use the assault bike as well. But just finding that peace whilst moving your body. So you can see it's like cool. an active that's, meditation. That's something that I like to do. I, um I'm trying to do some cardio and from what I understand what you just said, then what I'm doing is actually something that goes into that, the same direction. So um, I, I like to do that as well. And I think it also mm -hmm. has like a very positive effect on energy production, like the way your body's um, going to produce energy. And if you do it, if you do it, quote unquote, right, then your hands are going to, um, to get super warm. Your feet are going to be super warm as well. And it's kind of, um, I don't know, I f when I do this, I feel like it's, um, I have a relief of, I just feel lighter. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but this is, yeah, this is something that is, um, that yeah. is super helpful for me uh, as an active recovery or when I have a bad night's sleep, then I do this in the morning, like 10 to 15 minutes on the air bike. And this is very, very, um, very helpful. And I wanted to ask you about the different intensities that you use, uh, because I've heard you talk about that as well, of movement, and how does that help connecting with your emotions as well? Because you've, you've talked about strength training, the intensity of flexibility training, uh, low steady-state cardio, and they all lie on a intensity scale. So can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, so um, I think a lot of people, they either sit in the camp of giving 
a whole bunch of intensity and then you've got the camp of like not really understanding how much intensity you need to give and just like a scale of like one to ten and usually people just like don't really know the happy medium it's important to express all sides of the scale um so when we look at like being super intense this is where like the the really strong harsh emotions can come up and being able to express them you need a lot of intensity so um, finding a low skill movement that you can do like pushing a sled and literally just pushing yourself to the max to the you know to the point where you want to break it's important to have those sessions but it's also important to have the lower intensity sessions for instance like your active meditations your flow state cardio and stuff um, for me personally I was always in like the lower end or like just not I was I would always go intense with my training but not super intense I was never quite to the verge of like oh my gosh like I feel like I'm dying not that you ever want to feel like you're dying but you know what I mean like going close to failure on things and I found like a very happy medium I think it's very common for females who are more risk averse to men to be stuck in that place where they can't quite push the intensity too high and I remember my mentor recently really got me to push like there was that honestly it was like the most difficult session I've ever done in my life it went very very quickly mm -hmm. but he pushed me to such a strong intensity that I found so much emotional and mental clarity afterwards and that was because I wasn't used to being so intense with my training and I see the intensity side of things and with your training I feel like training is a metaphor for life. So if you feel like there is a part of your training that you're missing and that you're lacking, it's most likely missing and lacking in your life as well. So if you never have anything super intense in your training, are you lacking something in your life that's intense as well? And, you know, I had that situation. And um, now that I found that intensity and I've experienced it and uh, I um, have been able to have these intense emotions and express everything that I've been bottling up, I feel much better inside and I have way more clarity in my life as well as in my training it does. as well. It, it does. So hopefully that makes um, sense. You just spoke about clarity and I've heard you say that you have to um, to get clear on what's important. Why is it important to get clarity and what are the consequences of not having that clarity and what are the, the things that you need to be doing so that you get mm -hmm. that clarity? <laughs> okay so if you don't find the clarity basically what I mean by clarity is being truer to yourself being true to what feels right for you so being more connected to yourself so we're going back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the podcast if you're doing things for other people or for these external sources outside of you you're just constantly trying to please the environment and you're not actually listening to yourself then you're not going to have true clarity of what you want in your life and what you're after. So um, I had that situation for a really long time. I've always been taught to make sure that, you know, the external environment's okay. Um, and But in, in the end, it ended up attacking me and I was suppressing a lot of stuff because I wasn't having that clarity myself. So that's what, can, you know, if you don't focus on the connection and the clarity, then it can kind of end up in a bit of a disaster and it's going to be more detrimental however much you feel like you're helping others you not helping yourself and listening to yourself is going to have a massive detriment on you um and I had that in the physical realm like it manifested 
with me through um you know physical things that happened to me with the autoimmune issues and the issues on my left side um when when you do feel more connected and have more clarity then uh wonderful things happen and you feel like you're flowing through life and things make more sense and um you're just you feel I don't want to say you feel happier because with regulating the nervous system and expressing your emotions you go through everything right you go through sadness through grief through anger happiness joy like you go through the whole spectrum of things but being more in tune with yourself you're actually going to have a regulated nervous system which is then going to help you um just feel more um like you're going you're on the right path in your life basically you feel more centered you feel more aligned yeah yes what what kind of i mean you talk about um you know removing the distraction trying to find the connection also with yourself uh, through movement but what are some other aspects or other things that you did to find out that clarity if anything <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, I did a lot. It wasn't just through movement. I think I mentioned at the start that um, I used meditation and manifestation quite a lot. So I started regularly, consistently meditating since March this year. Um, I was kind of desperate for a way out of like the hole that I was in with like having been diagnosed with this heart condition and just my body breaking down. So I was like, screw it, I'm going to start meditating. Um, and yeah, so I... I mean, I've been on and off recently just because like I've had a lot of life things changing, but and I haven't necessarily had as much time and priority for it. But I meditated consistently for at least 45 minutes every single day for at least four months. Uh, and I'm still meditating most days of the week. So, you know, minimum five days a week, I'm still getting my meditation in, even if it's just 20 minutes, I make sure I get it in. And that's something that really helped me to not only quieten what was going on externally from me. So getting that the external environment to um, go a little bit more radio silent so I could focus on myself, but also work on that presence and being okay with what with not knowing what's coming next. So something that's an issue with depression and anxiety is you're either really stuck on what's gone on in the past or you're really focused in on what's going on in the future and you don't know what's happening in the future. So that's where the a lot of mental health issues arise. For me, building that presence through meditation allowed me to be very comfortable in the present, even if I don't know what the hell is coming next. And however hurtful the past has been, I'm okay where I'm at. So that was a massive thing for me. And that's something that I always knew I was going to get into. I just wasn't ready for it. And this year, come March, when I decided to pick up the meditation, um, it's been like just done wonders for me. I friggin' love it. And I don't think I'll ever give it up. I hope I never Maybe I'll try to get anyway. into meditation at some point. But I haven't found the, the right um, entry door up until the, uh, this point. Um You've talked also about the importance of um, of the priorities that you set for yourself in your life. And um, I'm wondering what kind of work you did there and what's the impact of, you know, setting or having the right priorities or getting clear on, on your priorities and how it impacts the movement, the meditation, the nervous system, 
the gut, the whole body? Good question. I mean, for me, um, on this journey of self-exploration and um, healing, I guess, I've I've realized that prioritizing myself is obviously super, super important. So on this journey and healing myself, I've realized that um, like having this mental clarity and emotional clarity of where I want to go in my life means that movement is very important for me mindfulness is very important to me what my purpose is in life and making sure that I continue to get there is something that I need to focus on um being of optimal health is really important that's something that I've become very very clear on so that means that I will continue with my movement practice in a healthy and regulated way, as well as my uh, meditations and, you know, the way that I eat and the way that I look after myself in my lifestyle, um, as well as like making sure that I continue to um, get, well, continue to work on being able to um, follow my purpose and what I want to do in life and how I want to help people. They all come hand in hand and that's become more and more clear as I've been on my healing journey because I've healed myself through all of these things, which means they're extremely important for me to stay regulated and stay uh, more centered within myself. And they've led me to what my purpose is and I continue to reach that purpose. So it's just, it just goes full circle every time. So it's kind of, it's been <laughs> Yeah, You been sound great. like you have a lot of energy <laughs> and you are very enthusiastic about uh, the stuff that you, that you talk about. It's very interesting because it sounds a lot like um, the work of Dr. DiMartini. I, I, I don't know, I'm quite sure you've, you've heard of him. And he talks a lot about... Yeah, he talks a lot about yes. values yeah, and not values as in um, ethic and morals, but more so like what do we value in life? And you just said like, hey, I value um, my movement practice. I value my meditation. I value being very good health. I value helping other people um, on, on this path. And um, I find it very interesting because... This is something that seems to be very. Um, it always, it always come back to the same point. It's like making sure that you are focusing on the things that are very important to yourself, so that you are um, in a good place, so that you can then help other people. If people want to go on that on that journey of um, being more in tune with themselves. And they want to do it with you because they've heard like the work that you do, and they're like, "Hey, this this could be something that I need." Um, yeah. What what kind of what does it look like? Because um, coaching is can be very different, and uh, especially in the fitness space, it's a lot of get lean, build muscle, <laughs> eat this kind of food. Those are the macros, and not much else. So. Maybe you can give a, a small taste of what it is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the way that I work is I promote, I think I said at the beginning, uh, connect, connection, uh, freedom and strength in body and mind. So I use um, regulating the nervous system to uh, as well as uh, using movement, using mindfulness practices, uh, using nutrition, lifestyle adaptations to get all of those things out of your life and out of your, um, yeah, out of your lifestyle and your body. So with movement, I focus 
a lot on I obviously want you to be able to perform better but in order to perform better I want you to connect better with your muscles and with your body I want you to get stronger and be more resilient in your body and mind uh, but I also want you to become more open so if with an open body you have more of an open mind so those are kind of the three pillars that I work with and how I incorporate the training uh, in order to get more out of your training your performance but your life as well um, it's as simple as that, really. I've utilized the work that I've done with my flexibility training, with my connection and um, kind of emotional mapping training, as well as the um, the uh, mm-hmm. the bodybuilding side of things, I guess. Um, I think all of those have kind of come hand in hand in the way that I train myself and I train my clients now, which has been super beneficial. And then I like to add on the mindset aspect of it because I think that's still very important. Like I said at the start, like you've got the top down and you've got the bottom up processing of uh, your emotions and regulating your body. So if you're able to um, also have the mindfulness aspect with that on top of the movement, we're kind of um, bridging the gap really in terms of like having that holistic approach to making you feel better and perform better. So that's that's kind of how I work mm. with people and with Is there any difference between the the mind muscle connection that is talked about in the bodybuilding world and the the work that you just described? Um good question. Yes, it's I think it, the mind muscle connection, I think it's in bodybuilding, it's super useful to have, especially if you're doing things like posing, if we're looking full bodybuilding world where you have to do a lot of posing, you have to be able to be in tune with your entire body. That is super effective. And that will help you if you have a background in that, it will help you with the stuff that I do as well. But the mind muscle connection goes a lot further from an emotional perspective um, as well as uh, in bodybuilding, you only kind of train it, train your muscles in one specific way. So when we look at the intensity side of things, you uh, you're focusing on those contractions, time under tension, things like that. But are you looking at the explosive work that needs to be done in order to fully go into that fight mode? Often that's lacking in the bodybuilding side of your training, and that's something that is more incorporated in the stuff that I do to be able to express it from. Um, all levels of that, cool. that intensity. That's super interesting. Um, I think we are going to um, to close it here. Um, and it was a very, very interesting discussion. And I, I really hope that um, people are going to have their minds open a bit and just consider the whole fitness journey a bit differently now. Um, and if they want to learn more about it, then where can they follow you and get more information? Yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's probably where I'm um, most social, uh, Laura MC Gould. Uh, I'm on TikTok as well, which is Your Mindful Movement. And then I have a website called uh, yourmindfulmovement.com. So that's, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me in most places. Cool. Instagram cool. is probably so, the best. So uh, everyone go follow Laura on Instagram and follow the, the split journey. <laughs> I'm waiting until the split touchdown. Um, it's been very, very insightful. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and um, hopefully talk another time <laughs> soon. Thanks, Yannick. Thanks for having me.